When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in a no-nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, and I'm joined by my co-host, Will Lomas. It's officially Titans preseason week. This is exciting. Actually, not week. They they literally play tomorrow, uh, Thursday night. Um, finally, the summer, very long summer, is coming to an end. Football is finally back. Uh, we had the NFL Hall of Fame game last week. going to be honest, I didn't watch a second of it. I'm sure Will saw it all the way through didn't miss a single second um but now that the titans are back they're gonna play tomorrow on thursday night uh against the ravens uh we could actually talk about the, the the titans players in an actual game setting so that's super excited finally don't have to just rely on training camp reports and we can actually see uh what they do on the field so we're going to talk a little bit about the game we're going to talk about uh some of the developments that have been coming out of training camp uh since the last episode that we did but before we do that uh, i think we have to talk about the mike miracles mike herndon kind of drama that that happened with nbc sports edge uh, and even field yates of espn uh will i don't know if you want to kind of run us through what happened there because that there's kind of a lot to take in yeah so this is perfect for this podcast like this could have been to stop the nonsense but it just it's too close to home kind of you know just with how i don't know it agitated me personally i tweeted a lot about it uh where it, it would have been a stop the nonsense like yeah. it would have been candidate number one but I, I think it deserved a whole topic to itself yeah it's it's just too big at this point so if if you hadn't seen it somehow um mike herndon was at practice and he was tweeting out some notes it, truly an innocuous tweet like it's it's a he had said um Earlier, it was a tweet thread, and earlier in the tweet thread, he'd said that Traylon Burks looks good, he's big, he's fast, like he's he's catching passes and he's doing well. Um, and then later, he kind of went on on a different one and said, it, but he's not immune to issues. He's had uh, he had one play where he lined up in the wrong spot, uh, which, full disclosure. We don't know if that means he lined up in the backfield and he was supposed to line up out wide. We don't know if he lined up in the slot. We don't know if it was he was three yards away from the tight end and he was supposed to be four or two. You know, we don't really know how far, you know, how how incorrect that was, if it's just a small adjustment or whatever. Anyway, uh, and he also said that uh, he didn't run his route deep enough. And that's an important distinction for later. Um he didn't run his route, you know, perfectly the way that Tanhill wanted it. And, 
I think I saw I think the quote was that the way Woodside wanted it. And so this was one clip in a I don't know, twelve tweet thread or something like that, which has since been deleted. And so out of nowhere that there's all this stuff about Traylon Burks is with the second and third team and then it pops up on my timeline that, it, like you said, I think it's NBC Sports Edge or whatever, um, cites this Mike Herndon tweet and says that uh, essentially that Mike is reporting that they're they have him like behind, like with the twos and the threes, and that he's not with the starters, which is not true. Like we've seen a hundred times, Buck Rising did a really good job because he does his thing at night. Uh, he did his video where he kind of came out and said, okay, like th- this is ludicrous. Like we've talked about him with Tannehill since day one. There's been clips of Tannehill throwing to him in team drills that the Titans have put out themselves. Like uh, at this point, I, I would be shocked if Traylon Burke, this is me, not Buck, but at, at this point I would be shocked if Traylon Burks is not, one of the starting boundary receivers week one. Like I think he's either wide receiver one or wide receiver two. So anyway, that, that happens. And you know, if some random aggregator, you know, makes a spicy headline and retweets it fine. The problem is bad news spreads about the Titans so much faster than good news that we've talked about how good Traylon Burks has looked for the past 10 days the tight like i said the titans put clips out about it like everybody has talked about how good he is the one time there's one section of a tweet that kind of can be read in a way that's negative it spreads like wildfire and then field yates on espn talks about it like you said matthias and matt miller which it's incredibly frustrating because they had him on uh their do not draft like on rookie lists. Like they had him as one, like the do not draft candidate where they were doing one of those for each position. It was like, you know, try to get one later, draft him early or do not draft. And he was their do not draft. And the only information they cited is the conditioning slash asthma issue from uh, the OTAs. Like, like it was probably 15 words. The blurb was, and and it was just a, a complete lack of thought and lack of effort. It was just, you know, lazy, lazy work. And then they basically cited the Mike Herndon tweet and said, look, like this is what, uh, cause I, I called him out on it. And then they, they replied, whoever's running that account. I don't think it's really Matt Miller, um, r- responded and said, look at this tweet from Mike Herndon. And so I had to send him the tweet that Mike had that followed up that said, this is being taken out of context. And then absolute radio silence. Like, not not a like, not a not a response, not a redaction, not n- nothing. Just basically saying I'm comfortable with running bad information and not not you know correcting it, which is uh, lazy and bad and all all those kinds of things. So I I did not that found that personally aggravating. So yeah, basically, it, and I and everybody's has made a joke out of it at this point, and you know every, everybody said this is why you can't say anything negative and why it sounds so cheery and positive when you look at Titans media stuff is because if you give one small indication that things aren't going better than expected, it gets twisted so quickly into negative that 
it, it, the narrative completely gets out of hand. And I guess the narrative doesn't matter in the end. Like it's that whole nobody respects us thing. But at the same time, it is frustrating because it would be like if somebody said that Derrick Henry, you know, wasn't good and that everybody else was just like, yeah. And it's like, yeah, OK, like it, it doesn't affect what happens on the field, but it does make fans angry that they can't take pride in their own players. Yeah, I, I mean, th- this kind of happened with Tannehill also. Like, I think he threw his first interception of training camp, and then everyone just started melting down, like, oh, my God, we're back here again. Yeah. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> this is, You can have one bad play, and it happens. Someone reports it, and then all hell breaks loose. And it, it seems to happen. It's not only the Titans. Like, it happens with other teams. Uh, I've noted noticed it a little bit with Brandon Ayuk, who has had like uh, he's been in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. He he always seems to make mistakes, and, and Kyle Shanahan kind of hates him. But he's been having a tremendous camp. But then he has one practice where he gets in a fight with a teammate, and then everyone just completely overreacts, and they're like, "Oh, here we go again." It's like no, not everything has to be you know negative because of one confined instance, um, and. This is the Traylon Burks thing is is frustrating. And what really bothered me is uh, the Nick Nick Menzio from NBC Sports Edge. Um, I used to follow him. I unfollowed him because I thought he was completely partial with a lot of his analysis and just overwhelmingly negative, to be honest with you. And what bothered me is that he wrote the blurb. That's fine. He's aggregating news. It is a little bit clickbaity saying that he's been practicing with the second and third string offenses because, first of all, all rookies are going to practice with pretty much every single unit because that's just how coaches tend to do it. Um, And the blurb was okay. It wasn't great, but but it, 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 it was what it was. But then he quoted the blurb with his own tweet from his personal account saying Traylon Burks is lining up wrong and running the wrong routes this summer after not being able to pass a condition conditioning test in the spring seems to be well behind Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook, Akina, and even fellow rookie Kyle Phillips on the Titans wide receiver depth chart. Completely inaccurate. Like that is a completely inaccurate tweet. And the fact that someone who works for, you know, a company is tweeting that out on his personal while also quote tweeting his blurb. Like, I, I don't know that that's, that's what really bothered me. Um, and then the field Yates thing, whatever. I, I'm surprised they even picked it up. To be honest, that was probably just the producer trying to get uh, a good little lower third clickbaity headline. Um, and they accomplished that. And I don't even disagree with field Yates. His video was about Robert Woods being undervalued in fantasy football. Totally yeah. agree. But it has nothing to do with Traylon Burks uh, being yeah. good or bad in camp. They uh, Field Yates kind of, and he 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 like said, you know, don't come don't come at me, Titans. Like I'm, you know, Titans fans. I'm not. I'm high on Traylon Burks, and he's right when they show the full clip. Like, but the problem is because, like you said, he talked about. I think Robert Woods is one of the most underrated players in fantasy because they love him, and he's going to be on the field all the time, and they like to throw the play at like. His analysis is right, but the problem is the Chiron on the bottom says Traylon Burks not practicing with the first string offense. Like, so it's like, I, I don't, I, I don't know how this was prompted to him, but they basically talk about how when you see the full clip, they talk about how Field Yates wanted to talk about Robert Woods tomorrow, 
they talked about Robert Woods, but the Chiron didn't have anything to do with uh, Robert Woods. It was just Jalen Burks running with. The, so it's like yeah. when you put they used that, it, it, they used that to supplement his his points pretty much. Yeah, it would be like if the Chiron said uh, McDonald's uses horse meat for hamburgers, and then the actual body of the story was. McDonald's has delicious hamburgers. Everybody would say, yeah, but they're made of horse meat. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We never said that. And it's like when when the title of something says something different than the, like, I, I don't know if it's the producer's fault or whatever, but it, it is it's hard to say that, you know, nobody's at fault there. But it is very aggravating. That's a great McDonald's horse meat analogy. <laughs> um, and with that, we're going to take our first uh, ad break. Uh, it's not McDonald's, but by listen, McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> listen through it. I don't think we can't technically contractually say that, but McDonald's, if you're out there, hit us up. So yeah. we're going to take our first first ad break, and then we're going to come back, talk a little bit about camp, talk a little bit about the preseason opener, um, and go through that. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Now that we're past the little drama that we had uh, with the national media and Traylon Burks, uh, we want to talk a little bit about what we're going to expect to see, who who we expect to sit on Thursday, because not everyone's going to play, uh, although there really isn't too much confirmed news about who's in, who's out. Um, that's probably going to, maybe it'll come out on, on Thursday during the day. Not totally sure about that. Um, I think we know for sure that Derrick Henry's not going to play just because of the injury from last year. He's still kind of working back from it, uh, and there's really probably no need to even put him out there. Uh, although we have seen in the past wh- when he does get some reps in the preseason, it seems to actually help him a little bit just because he gets warmed up, gets pretty in tune with his offensive line. But I don't think we're going to see him out there. Probably not going to see Tannehill um, either. I don't really think it's worth it. If we do see him, it might be for like a drive uh, or something like that. But um, who do you think is going to sit? Like, who do you think uh, among the big name guys, who do you think is just completely going to sit out uh, for this first preseason game? I think Robert Wood sits. Um, not not that they're concerned about his knee, but just, just to double, triple check. Um I, the the guys I'm interested, I'm really interested to see what they do with Lawan and Ben Jones because Ben Jones has n- not missed a lot of time in practice by any means, but he's the guy that everybody leans on and he plays every snap during the season. I, I don't think they need to see anything from Ben Jones. The only reason you'd put him out there is to see what he looks like with Aaron Brewer. Um, and then Lawan, like, you know, y- you saw how in and out of the lineup he was last year. And, you know, he, he's played pretty much every snap in, in the practices and stuff. So I don't, I don't necessarily think he's out of shape or they're worried about it, but still like, you don't, you don't want to put tread on those tires if you can help it. So I, I, I do wonder what they do with the, like with the tackles, because you could say, okay, put Nicholas Petit Frere at left tackle and Dylan Raiden's at right tackle. And then after a, series or two take Raiden's out and put Nicholas Petit for right tackle and then go from there. But that that's just dependent on what they want to do with Taylor Lewan. Other than that, I mean, you got to play the receivers that aren't Robert Woods. I was going to say Woods isn't going to play, right? Makes absolutely no sense. No, yeah. Yeah. I Woods Woods wouldn't make it. Um, I almost want to say that I wouldn't put Traylon Burks out there just because he's been so good in practice and he's played so much. But I, I think 
I think all rookies have to play. Like I think if you can play, you have to play as a rookie. They need a uh, they need to counter the the national media um, huh. outbreak, and they yeah. they need to just put them out there. Uh, let him play two drives, catch a touchdown, and then everyone could just shut up until the regular yeah. season. It, it would be nice to see him get like a 65 yard, like long touchdown down the sideline and just everybody be like, okay, cool. Like we can leave that alone. Um, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, Bud Dupree, like maybe Simmons just because uh, he's, he can do whatever he wants and he seems like he's craving contact and he wants to hit somebody. I think Danico Autry and Bud Dupree have been, you know, babied this this preseason. So I don't like, and I mean that in in a smart like. They, I'll say their snaps have been managed. That's a better way to say it. But I, I think they've done a really good job being careful with them, and they just paid Harold Landry all that money, so probably not him. Other than that, I think everybody. Well, yeah, Kevin Kevin Byard I think usually plays some in the preseason. So other than that, I think everybody else is fair game for at least a series or two. Yeah, I mean, I really don't expect the starters or at least the the veteran starters um, to play much. But given that the preseason is shorter and and it seems like the third preseason game or even the second preseason game, a lot of teams seem to like completely take it um, as not even a dress rehearsal. Like they don't even dress some of these guys. Um, So I'm really only expecting even a maybe a series if, if any of them uh, even play. I don't know if it's really worth it with some of these veterans who are so crucial to the team. Um, you mentioned Nicholas Petit Freer um, as uh, as one of the players who might get a lot of playing time. Um, he's been getting reps with the ones lately, um, and, and that's really good news just because we need good offensive line play. I don't know if that means he's you know going to be a starter if he's competing with Dylan Radens for the right tackle job, uh, or if they're you know not too not happy or like not too comfortable with Luan going in the season given his injury history. But um, he's been a standout in, in training camp uh, for sure. He's been one of the better uh, rookies. He's been one of the better offensive uh, players. We've only heard positive news. Um, what do you expect from him? And also, who do you think were the were the most standout players, a, at least on offense, um, through training camp? We already talked a little bit, bit about Traylon Burks. I think he was definitely one of them. Could just completely change the, the narrative um, after that asthma conditioning situation. Um, and, and Petit Freer seems to be right behind him in terms of players who have really who have really shown bright. Yeah, like the Nicholas Petit Frere thing is weird because there's a natural aversion to not play rookies with Mike Frable. And we've talked about it a billion times, but he's uh, all reports are that he's been so physical and so good when he's, you know, been out there at right tackle, which is his natural position, that, you know, he's getting reps with the ones. And instead of them just letting Dylan Radens have the right tackle spot like they're doing with Aaron Brewer, because you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like they're, they're giving Nicholas Petit Frere a chance and they, you know, last week, or I mean, uh, yeah, probably either Friday of last week or Monday of this week, coach Mac, uh, Dave McGinnis was on one Oh four five. And, and you could hear him talk and 
I don't remember if he was talking to Buck Rising or, or whoever he was talking to, but he was essentially somebody said, well, we already know who the right tackle is going to be like it referring to Raidens. And he was like, yeah, he's like, thank you. Like, you know, we've already got that one figured out. So, and that was before the first team reps started switching. So it's in, and Mike Keith has talked glowing about him, which shouldn't necessarily be a surprise, but it, Everybody who's seen Dylan Radens has said he looks bigger than last year. He looks stronger than last year, and he's played better. Um, and we all we already saw him play well enough, and he played well in the preseason last year. So that all points towards Dylan Radens being good at his job. It's just is Nicholas Petit Fair better, and that that we don't know. But either way, I think both of these guys are the starting offensive tackles next year. Uh, it's just who plays where and who plays where this year and all that. So that, I mean, that's good news. Like you want your super athletic second round tackle. Who's a, a sophomore essentially. And your rookie, big, strong physical tackle who went to a, a blue chip school. Like you want those guys to both be so good that they're fighting for a job. Like that's, that's only, it's only good news to have more good offensive linemen. So, you know, even, even if you're, don't read it as disappointment in Raidens, but even if you were planning on Raidens starting, if Nicholas Petit Fair starts, it's just a sign of how good he is. Yeah, I, I was I, I was about to say like it's possible that Raidens is doing fine, but Petit Freer is just that good, you know. And I think they kind of drafted him with the with a thought that he was insurance not only for Luan for the future, but also for Raidens just in case that Raidens, uh, you know, isn't the elite type of prospect and maybe they thought he could be or could blossom into and that's fine like that's fine it's not like they spent a very high pick on Petit Freer he was a third round pick they kind of got him at a, at a discount and you know if he beats out Raidens for a starting spot so be it that's just better for the team because that means he's doing well and the coaching staff trusts him and he's probably going to play well so it really doesn't have to be the end of someone's career um, if another player is, is just playing better than him. Yeah. Um, and then the hard thing about talking about standout on standouts on offense is so much attention is being paid to the rookie class that I, I automatically, the, the next two names that come to my mind are Chica Conquo and more importantly, Kyle Phillips, who essentially started the season or started uh, training camp with the threes and has worked all, uh, all the way up to the ones and, seems to have earned himself a you know role player job already and he's also the the kick return uh, no the punt returner sorry um so uh, it's hard to shoot up a depth chart faster than he shot up but you know that's great uh, uh, but i think we've talked about him enough and i think everybody's covered him enough i i would say that to me the standouts that aren't young guys are austin hooper and ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill has thrown his, you know, his two interceptions and all that. And that that's good. Like everybody talked about Mariota not throwing interceptions and we criticized him for saying maybe he's playing a little bit too safe, yada, yada, yada. It, the reason why Tannehill's throwing interceptions is because every other play you see, it's a 65 yard touchdown to Kyle Phillips or Racy McMath or, you know, Chigaconquo or Traylon Burks, like all these players that he's hitting on deep shots, several times in practice in 11 on 11 it's not just in seven on sevens i mean this is consistently like in every aspect so uh, 
you're wanting him to make those throws because you're wanting the defense to have to challenge those. And you're also wanting the receivers to understand that they can win against a good defense by running these deep routes. So it's not like last year where everything is 10 to 15 yards within a line of scrimmage at most. So that that's great on him. Hooper, it's hard to be too complimentary of Hooper because he's, his job is to, not be the guy who's blocking like a tight end. Like it's like when, when he's blocking you, it it shouldn't even seem like there's another tight end because he's so big and physical and by all accounts, you know, he's done well with that. And then every now and then there'll be a 30 or 40 yard catch, or if they're doing two minute drills, it'll be him moving the chains. If it's not Kyle Phillips and you see his name a lot and you don't notice it, but you'll notice it on the field almost every snap. So I'm I'm really excited by the way those two specifically are doing this year. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a fantasy football podcast, but um, I've been doing a lot of best ball drafts on underdog fantasy. Um, not an ad, but anyway, uh, and I've been getting <laughs> I've been getting Tannehill and Hooper on like every team just because no one drafts them and they're there in like the final couple rounds. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, Tannehill's going to love Hooper. And Hooper's having an outstanding camp. He's in a contract here, you know, trying to get another big contract um, after this. I think he's on a one-year deal, right? One-year, $6 million. So a lot of incentive for him to do well. I think he's going to be a great option for Tannehill. I think Tannehill's going to really like him because he's a reliable pair of hands. And he could get open by himself against linebackers. And I'm just excited. I'm excited to see him because— I mean, we've talked about it enough, but the tight ends last year were just were just awful. And we were so disappointed in Ferkser. We really thought he was going to be able to take uh, another step. But, I mean, obviously Hooper is is a couple of notches above uh, Ferkser in terms of talent. And I think that's going to play a big difference, not only for Tannehill, but for the offense in general. Um, in terms of standouts for me, um, for the offense, I think Kyle Phillips, obviously— um gotten a ton of good praise i've seen all the clips of him just cooking defensive backs he looks like i hate i hate to 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 compare him to a white you know slot guy but he really does look like hunter renfro they they do seem to run very similar routes i'm not gonna say he's as good as hunter renfro because renfro is probably a top five route runner in the league right now and i don't think phillips obviously is there yet at least but he really does look solid and i think he's going to contribute from day one i've also been completely shocked with all these racy mcmath reports and tweets apparently he's just running by every single defensive back that the titans put out there i mean even the good ones like he's cooking christian fulton um out there which is which is just crazy so i don't know if that's going to translate we talked a little bit about it um, I think it was last week you said we kind of want him to be like a bigger uh, Khalif Raymond. I think that would be the best role for him. Just send him on go routes, send him on deep routes, uh, kind of clear stuff up in the middle in the intermediate range for Robert Woods uh, and Austin Hooper. And then, you know, sometimes he's probably going to get open downfield and Tannehill could probably hit those those deep passes. So I'm interested, interested to see how they utilize him because it's definitely uh, been – a factor in the offense that, that's kind of been missing. Uh, so that'll do it for the offense. As for defense, who do you think has has stood out the most? I I personally, I haven't really heard too much about the defense. I feel like we've heard more positive reports from the offense. 
Uh, although that's pretty that's pretty standard during training camp. No one really cares about the defense. Uh, although a couple of days ago, I think they had a really good day, and uh, some of the writers kind of shed light on it. But like for instance, I haven't heard Harold Landry's name once this uh, this training camp. It, really, none of the defensive linemen. So, who do you think has kind of stood out um, on that side of the ball? Well, the only time you really hear about Harold Landry or any of the like pass rushers is if you listen when people are talking about offensive line, they'll refer to previous snaps that they've been doing and other drills and you can kind of hear. And apparently there was a rep, uh, I think it was about Harold Landry. Again, don't, don't quote me on this, but I heard he beat um, one of the tackles pretty badly, whether it was Nicholas Petit Frere or Dylan Raiden's like, like just, it like instantly beat him. And, you know, you're not going to hear a lot about those guys. Like, I don't, I don't know we, if we heard a lot about them last year either. And, you know, then we saw with the, uh, Danico Autry, especially like, I feel like we didn't hear much about it all until he showed up week two, essentially, and just started wrecking house against Seattle. But, um, a tier tarts gotten a lot of buzz as somebody in those team drills who it's like up oh, another start by stop by tier tart in the middle. Like it just constantly like tackle for loss or tackle for no gains, uh, in goal line drills or 11 on 11. So that's good. Um, I, I really like the guy, you know, obviously Roger McCreary, I should touch on him too, but the guy who I've heard a lot or I've seen a lot about and I've getting positive vibes around is Shakur Brown. The, uh, cornerback who played in the usfl and who was who came out of michigan state i looked him up on dane brugler's draft guide just to see where he was and i believe this was like the 2020 draft like not not that long ago and uh brugler gave him a third slash fourth round grade um the problem was he he's a corner that runs like a four six and so you know the the tape is fine and the tape's aggressive and you know pass breakups, hard hits, all that kind of stuff. But the, the testing is just, it's really hard to have a four, six corner. So that, that kind of pushed him out. And then he did well in the USFL. And once Buster screen retired, uh, like day one of training camp, then all of a sudden Shakur Brown, you know, was signed and is now started making plays and he's looked good. And I, I think that he's going to make the roster, which is interesting because when I, Throughout the offseason, I would write these articles about USFL guys that the Titans might target and that were interesting. And I thought maybe five, six, seven of those guys would get signed to training camps and compete. I think there's been something like 40 guys from the USFL who've ended up on NFL rosters. And, you know, people seem to be pretty pleased with the guys they're getting. So, uh, you know, that's kudos to the USFL and, and maybe it will help them you know, become a more viable product long-term because it's great to have essentially ready-made bodies to just sign if you have camp injuries or if you have a a surprise retirement or something like that, because these aren't guys who haven't played in two years. I mean, they're playing a couple of months ago. So uh, he's probably the guy who I think is going to be really interesting to watch, especially this week, because he's done everything well and he's started, you know, learning how to be, a, a defender in this, you know, what, what Mike Vrabel likes in terms of aggressiveness and knocking away passes and all that. So 
I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does from in training camp going on because I, I right now I pencil him as in as like the 52nd guy on the roster. Like I think he makes it based off of what we know right now. Who do you who do you think he makes it at the expense of? It would have to be one of the safety backup safeties, I assume. Well, so I think or last Chris year Jackson, but I, I think they like Chris Jackson too much. Yeah, to, I think the problem is I think they keep five corners and like five safeties historically, like like oh, too wow, many okay. safeties, and so it's like if your five corners are Farley, McCreary, Fulton, Elijah Molden. Uh, then you can kind of call Chris Jackson a safety like they've done in the past, and then you can keep Shakur Brown, and then you can have Kevin Byard, Hooker, uh, A.J. Moore, who I think they like, Theo Jackson, and then Chris Jackson can be you know moved into that group, and that's 10 defensive backs. So I, I think that's, that might be what they do, but I, I don't know. It's just – it's – it's hard for me to see all the positive buzz about him and then them talking about, you know, like we'll see how they practice and how they play from here on out. But I think Shakur Brown, Chris Jackson, you know, that there's a lot of those guys at the bottom of the corner position who just haven't, they, they've been the victims more than they've been like positives. And if you're just not being victimized and you're the fifth or sixth best corner on the roster, you'll probably make the team as long as you can tackle somebody on special teams. Yeah. And also they did just sign Adrian Colbert. who's also a veteran safety can play special teams. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the defensive backfield kind of, kind of shapes up. Uh, I think a, some really talented players are, are going to get cut from, from this roster. This roster is, is pretty deep. Uh, even though the national media wants you to believe that we have no talent, but we absolutely do. Um, and some good football players are, are going to get cut and probably scooped up uh, by some other teams. So we're going to focus a little bit more on the Thursday night game now. Um, is there anyone in particular that you're just really excited to see? Um, it could be offense, defense. Um, is there anyone in particular? I, I personally, I, I just, I want to see Kyle Phillips out there. I want to see if, if this camp uh, praise and all these camp clips kind of translate uh, to the real thing. I know it's preseason and he's probably going to be going against backups, but I'm expecting him to show out really because he's looked so good in camp. Um, he was really good in college in a really good conference. Um, and I think there's, there's a, the place where he could really, uh, show out and and earn some starting snaps right away. Yeah, it, like watching Kyle Phillips would be super interesting just because Baltimore is going to be physical, like at the line of scrimmage. Like they're just they they pride like the Titans, like they pride themselves on being physical. So if somebody's going to get hands on Kyle Phillips on the line of scrimmage and really go after him, you know, outside of Nashville, then it's going to be Baltimore. So. It'll be really interesting to see if he can get off that, get off that and release and beat that press. Um, man, like I, I just is Demarcus Walker good? Because like they they talk about like Jeffrey Simmons talks about him like like he's his hero. Like and that may be too strong, but it's like when Jeffrey Simmons was asked about him, he was like, he's going to be a great fit for our team, and it, like he praised him up and down, and the coaches seemed to love him, and like. I don't think there's any world where Demarcus Walker's not playing and he's going to get to play opposite Rashad Weaver, who should also have an awesome game. 
you know, he's going to get either Tier Tart or Naquan Jones, like maybe both of them alternating. Like, the, you know, then he's got some decent defensive tackles, like in between them, like with uh, Peavy and Garrett, the undrafted free agent guys. Like, so if he gets 20 snaps and he's going against, because I wrote about Baltimore, uh, Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle is still in PUP. They're moving Jawan James, a career right tackle, over to left tackle. And then uh, their right tackle is Morgan Moses, who's 31 years old, I believe. And so, like, there's a chance he might not play just because they're so kind of banged up at the position. So there's a scenario where their starting left tackle and right tackle are their fourth and fifth tackle, or it's like a tackle playing out of position against like these guys. And you know that like we, you can go back and la- to last year and watch like the Titans aren't going to bring blitzes, but they will stunt and the defensive line really stunts well. And uh, they really started doing it last year and they, you know, in, in preseason and they really picked it up. So I bet they try to work a lot of that this year too. If he's if he's actually good and they have found a guy off the street, I mean, he had five sacks, I think, with the Texans last year. But like if they found something in him, a defensive line with a legitimate Demarcus Walker, Rashad Weaver, uh, let's just say it's Naquan Jones and then, you know, tier tart, you know, they, they do something else at three technique or whatever. But you really don't have to do anything else against a pretty weak looking because Tyler Linderbaum's not playing center for him because he got hurt. He has like a Liz Frank injury. So I like, I, I don't know how Baltimore stands up to that, even if they're just playing vanilla, vanilla pass rush. So I, I'm really interested to see just how good this second string defensive line is for the Titans, because right now I have pretty high expectations for what they could be. And you know, we already know what Autry Simmons, you know, Dupree, Harold Lander, we know what they can do. But imagine if those guys got 20% more rest and you could put other guys in to stop the run and win some pass rush downs and then let them come in with their hair on fire on third down. Like that, that to me is genuinely exciting because they have the ch- chance to be the best pass rushing defense that the Titans have ever had. Yeah, the Walker thing is interesting. Definitely heard a lot of good things about him. And at this point, I would probably say that he's going to make the team over Larell Murchison. Uh, I don't even think it's Murchison's fault. I like. I, I thought he played pretty well last year when, when he actually got the chance. Uh, but the problem is he's just struggled with injuries his first two seasons. Um, they seem to just kind of pop up on him, unfortunately. Um, and there's just too much talent on the line. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep – um, that many defensive linemen, so he might be the odd guy out. So this may be a, a really important game, a, definitely a really important preseason for him um, with Walker, who who has more experience as a veteran um, and has had success in the past. Um, definitely, uh, there's definitely a competition there. So that'll be interesting. I'm interested in, in watching Aaron Brewer. I'm assuming he's going to start at left guard and going up against the Ravens. I don't know who's going to play. I'm going to assume that that the starters or at least some of these defensive linemen are going to play. Um, if he goes up against Madubuike, Michael Pierce, um, some of these other guys that the Ravens have, they always have a really strong um, defensive line. They have a really good scheme. They know how to clog up running lanes. If Brewer does well here and excels against some of these really talented 
a defensive lineman. I, I think that's going to be great news uh, for him as a starter and for the Titans offense in general, because it's definitely one of the spots that the Titans are probably that they have a question mark at. You know, there, re- there really aren't too many other positions um, where you look at and you're like, oh, that may be a real weakness on the Titans. It, it's really just it's really just left guard and maybe right tackle if, if you're not too high uh, on radons. But hopefully Brewer does well in, in what should be a tough test. Um, definitely interested um, to see that. And we should also say, obviously, Malik Willis. Like that. That's. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if we've said that, but yeah, like. This is this is not like I'm I'm interested to see like Traylon Burke. It's like yeah, like Traylon Burks, Malik Willis, for sure. Like that, like those two are are one and one a with a bullet just because of how important they are for like uh, the future, like the short term future and the long term future of the Titans organization. So don't don't misunderstand and think that we're just glossing over like the big names. Like we we already have them baked in because. I assume we're going to get a full half of Malik Willis, if not maybe more. And I think that's going to be the the way it goes because I think he's their third string quarterback and they want him to get as many reps as possible. But yeah, like I think there's a good chance we see 15, 20 pass attempts from Willis and several runs. So uh, that, that'll be super exciting. I, 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 I know everybody listening obviously knows that that's in there, but I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah, it, it's almost like the hype on Willis has completely died down, at least for me, just because I haven't seen too many um, reports on him, not too many clips. A lot of it has been that, yet, that you know, he's working through um, his development and he's doing well, but it really hasn't been anything special I mean, this could be this could be exciting. This could be really exciting uh, to see how he does, especially in his first game. He's probably going to be amped up, going to want to do some special things, and we definitely know he's talented uh, and capable of doing that. So, yeah, obviously, um, definitely one to watch. Also interested um, in seeing how Caleb Farley does. We haven't seen him in such a long time, uh, but he's been doing well in camp, seems to be completely over the injury, um, and – I mean, he was such a good prospect. Like, he was a legitimate top 10, top 15 talent. We just haven't been able to see it yet. But, man, if hopefully he plays. Um, but um, but we'll see. Um, in terms of players who can actually, you know, win something in this game, win a starting job in this game, do you think there's anyone who can or—, or or are there just not going to be enough opportunities for some of these guys to really make a statement? Yeah, I think you talked about it a little bit when you talked about Aaron Brewer. Like, if Aaron Brewer looks like we've seen him look in the past, and if they, like, especially if they have the starting offensive line out there for a series or two, and he, I, I think he's played uh, Baltimore twice and done a good job, but I know he's done it against him once. So if he goes out there and just, handles Baltimore the way he normally does I I I don't think there's like I think what would have to happen for Jamarco Jones to get in this mix is Brewer would have to struggle and then Jamarco Jones would have to come out and just flat out dominate against the third stringers when he goes out there so but by the same token if Jamarco Jones just looks okay and holds his own and wins at some and loses some and then Brewer looks 
like a freak athlete and gets to the second level and Hassan Haskins busts some like big yards, then like I, I, I think Brewer could be the starting left guard locked in after this week. So now whether they whether they would say that or not, I don't know. But I could definitely see a scenario where he does that, then all of a sudden Aaron Brewer starts getting more rest time because they know that he's gonna be the guy and then he's sitting out with Taylor Lewan and Bud Dupree and some of those guys. So that that's that's the one that I really look at and say, okay, like he he's got a shot to shut down any sort of quote unquote training camp competition. I agree. Um, I also think Raidens could do a good, like I, I think he could probably win the starting job. I think he already has it. I, I mean, we talked a little bit about Petit Freer, but I, I don't think I don't think that'll happen per se unless Raidens like really struggles um, in the preseason, like he did um, his rookie year. I remember he went up against Joe Tryon, and he was just he was getting smoked, honestly, on, on most plays, and that left a really bad taste um in my mouth in our mouths because we were really high on him um but if he does well in this game and the next two I, I think he's definitely gonna you know cement his place as a starter at least to start the season um and then we'll go from there but other than that I don't really see too many um too many spots that are up for grabs I met we already talked about Phil, Kyle Phillips earlier he might be able to really cement that starting slot spot but i feel like he already has it anyway so um we'll see we'll see maybe some of these guys flop and and they they go down in the pecking order anything is possible well um, that, they, we you, you kind of bring up you bring up an interesting point because it will be like if they use a true designated slot receiver which they didn't really do like they did some with chester rogers i guess but he you know there was no consistency there but if there's you know a clear Okay, Burks and uh, Burks and Woods, although I guess it'd be Burks and NWI in this scenario where it's like they go out there and then we have two tight ends and then one tight end comes off and a slot receiver goes in and there's no moving back and forth. It's just this guy's always in the slot. If they use that more, then Kyle Phillips could definitely earn that because I, I don't know who else on the team is really in that league. Like they don't really have another like shifty dynamic inside receiver like that. So it, by that token, he could kind of win that that role, especially. Yeah, I mean, don't want to bypass Mason Kinsey, but not. Yeah, the Kinsey. we're not on the we're not on the Mason Kinsey bandwagon. Um, I, I would say the only real like competition for him is Robert Woods, but it's not really a competition because Woods is going to be starting um regardless but Woods is probably the best slot guy on the team if we really think about it like he's done it in the past um he moved around so much with the Rams he does it so well he's really good in the middle part of the field but obviously it would be ideal you know in a three in a three receiver set to have Woods and Burks on the outside and then Phillips if he's as good as we think he is uh in the slot but we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens on Thursday night we're going to take another ad break, and we're going to come back with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back in to No Nonsense of Tennessee Titans podcast. We're going to go ahead and wrap up with our Stop the Nonsense. As always, Will, do you care to go first? Sure. So mine is about the Titans' uh, week one opponents, uh, the New York Giants. And there's a lot that we could talk about because they've had uh, – they had a coach 
an offensive line coach push a linebacker and start a fight. They've had like guys pretending to be knocked out and then stand up and then punch people like in the back of the head. And then they've had guys like just full on fight. But the person I want to talk about is the instigator of all this. And that's Saquon Barkley. And there's a clip going around it. It, you know, of like, I'll just say like, uh, Bleacher Report's gridiron site uh, has tweeted it most recently, but it said uh, Saquon Barkley truck stick and it's they're in practice and, you know, they've got all these like little padded helmet things on, except Saquon Barkley doesn't have one of them on and neither does the defensive back. And it's it's clearly a thud up practice. Like it's not it's not a full tackle practice. Like it, it's it's you can see guys stopping and, you know, kind of two hand touching him. He gets touched twice before he gets past the line of scrimmage. And this, this defensive back safety is walking like half walking, half running, like, you know, getting to the ball to thud up and he goes to him and Barkley just lowers his head and like a truck sticks him during practice. Like, I mean, if Barkley was a third string running back, he would have gotten cut. Like it's, it's a stupid, dangerous thing to do. And, immediately the reaction was wow that was a bad job but now that the clips out people are like wow look how physical Saquon Barkley is is he back is it you know is it time to talk about him as somebody who can carry the Giants to blah 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 and it's like no like this dude basically went through walkthroughs and lowered his shoulder because he's frustrated or something like it's one of the weirdest like I don't know what the opposite of a course correction is but all of a sudden people see the violence and they're like, this must be actually, it must actually be a good play. And it's just, it's just stupid. And for a guy who stays as hurt as Saquon Barkley, you would think you would have a little bit more like understanding and respect of a situation because after that is when all the fights started. And I believe they had another fight like in the most recent practice. And I spoiler alert, doing this is not going to make your defense go any lighter on you in future drills. So I mean, you better hope your legs hold up because you can't sort of turn your back on your team like this and then expect to get the superstar treatment anymore. Dude, I I did not know that. I'm going to be honest. I only saw the clip of him trucking that poor defensive back and I was like, "Oh, wow, that was a that was a good truck stick." But I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know all of that about the fighting and and all of that. So, um that's interesting. Yeah. I I'm expecting that the Titans should crush the Giants in week one. I've been thinking about this. I think they need to go in and just beat them 30 to 17 or whatever, 37 to 17. Like that would, that would be a great start to the year. I think they could do it. The Giants seem like they have a lot of just crap on their hands. Um, I know they have a new coach, but we all know how this goes. You get a new coach, everyone gets excited. And then it just goes to crap as soon as week one. Um, because you realize that the roster isn't that talented and it takes a while. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to finish up with my stop the nonsense. I'm going to stop the nonsense, the NFL uh, and and Amazon, because I don't know how many of you know this, but I mean, look, Thursday night football has been on Amazon Prime for the last couple of years. But we've also had the option to watch the games on NFL Network and I think even sometimes on Fox um, or, or NBC, whichever uh, which, whichever local network actually carried it on that specific Thursday. But they were always on NFL Network. So 
never a problem for for me and most people to watch it because most people have NFL Network. Well, this year, that's gone. The only way you can watch Thursday night games will be if you have Amazon Prime Video. And I'm sure most people have it. I don't. I am in a boycott of Amazon. I'm boycotting Amazon because they suck at delivering stuff that I actually need. Like, I, I placed two orders a couple years ago. They sent me the completely wrong thing. One time my mom ordered something, uh, like a watch or something, and they sent her a phone case. Just an absolute disaster. Granted, <laughs> it was during the pandemic. But ever since then, they, also their customer service kind of sucks. So ever since then, I was just like, you know what? I'm not ordering from Amazon anymore. So I don't have Prime, and now I really have no way to watch the game other than wink, wink, illegal streams. Actually, that's not true. Uh, the company I work for actually uh, has the game, so I could just watch it there. But anyway, my point stands. This is this is BS for most people. Um, I think it's really just greedy. There's really no need for it, and the NFL just seems to be going this way, especially with their NFL Plus new platform. Um, and now they have this thing with with Amazon. I think a lot a lot of people are upset, and a lot of people are going to be even more upset when the first Thursday night game rolls around and they haven't seen this news, and they're going to be like, "Well, how, where's the game? I can't find it anywhere." And they're going to find out that they can't watch it. Period. So I just think that's so so trash, honestly. Um, it's not to, it's not just the NFL and Amazon, like. For soccer and other sports, even like you need to have Paramount Plus, you need to have YouTube TV, you need to have maybe Hulu, you need to have so many of these streaming services in order to just watch everything that you want to watch. Um, and it's just getting it's getting honestly ridiculous. Uh, it's almost like I wish cable still existed because we had everything in one place. But yeah, can't ever can't ever go back to that. Yeah, that's like the cyclical thing of it. Everybody wanted to cut cords and then all these different things uh, spread out in their own thing. It's like, what if we could bundle all of these packages together and stream it together and call it cable? <laughs> it's like it's just like it's also cyclical, like uh, like you're going to get taken advantage of it either way. They, they should uh, NFL Network and Fox or whoever else was the other uh, pack uh, other uh, channel that had it should take out 15 minutes uh, uh, during the game, like the first like quarter of the game and just like run something that just continuously says, we do not have Thursday night football. Please download Amazon. Like, because people aren't going to know they're just going to turn in, tune in and be like, I swear I can see the score on here and they'll play like daily fantasy or something. And they'll like be losing their mind because they can't watch the game. And they'll be like, what do I like? How can I not watch this? And then all of a sudden there'll be a bajillion Amazon prime subscriptions the next day because people panicked and had to get it. But yeah, I mean that, that is not very fun. Um, I, I don't, I don't like having to have all those streaming services or anything, but I love football, so at the end of the day, I, I will conform. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Um, and I think you can't actually watch Thursday night games with that NFL Plus subscription. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know even know what that, that is. NFL Plus. It, right? Like, they they've done a terrible a job marketing it. <laughs> yeah, like I thought it was a joke the first week it came out, and then no, it was like, real. no, it's a real thing. And I'm like, you didn't have any preamble. You just were like, hey, we're going to launch this thing. Like, I, it's ridiculous. I think it's just it's a replacement for Game Pass, I think, but you also get live um, out of market games during the regular season. So 
I mean, it might be cool. it might be good for 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 some people, but you also have to take into account the fact that Game Pass was awful, like just a terrible service yes. in general, and the fact that you're gonna have to use that same sort of format to watch games. I mean, yeah, just call it Sunday Ticket. Like, I mean, yeah, like, right. That's yeah. It's like, but like, yeah, it'll be good for you in Florida because you know, once it becomes law to subscribe to NFL Plus, you can watch uh, Titans games in Florida. <laughs> Wait, that's true, actually. Oh, my God, they're going to get me. Anyway, yep. we're going to uh, – don't want to think about that right now. But uh, that will do it for us. Uh, first Titans preseason game is on Thursday night. Uh, obviously, we're going to be back next week to kind of wrap that up and, and look forward to the next one. So thanks for tuning in, and rem- remember to always stop the nonsense. Bye.